Good day, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. It's one of the most shocking events we've ever experienced here in Southeast Michigan. Four children murdered inside their own high school, and several others badly hurt. And this time, it didn't happen somewhere far away. It happened just 40 miles up the road from where I'm sitting today. Three people are in custody after this shooting. The accused shooter, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, is charged with murder and terrorism, and he is being charged as an adult. His parents, Jennifer and James Crumbly, are also charged with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter. They have all pleaded not guilty, and over the next many months, we will, I'm sure, see lots of twists and turns as they make their way through the criminal justice system. But there are lots of questions still about what happened that day at Oxford High School and what's happening now. This is the kind of event that doesn't just shock the conscience. It moves us to really think pretty deeply about our values, our laws, the way we respond to tragedy and crisis. That's where we want to start the show today, with some of those questions about what happened at Oxford and what's happening now in the criminal justice system as a response. And we're going to start the show today with the person who decided a lot of what we're seeing unfold in the criminal justice system with regard to the Crumbleys. She's the person who will be tasked with making the case against Ethan Crumbly and his parents in court. Karen McDonald is the Oakland County prosecutor, and she joins us now. Karen, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. So let's start here. Um, walk us through your decision to charge Ethan Crumbly as an adult. You ran as a progressive prosecutor who has really emphasized reforms to juvenile justice and other things in order to rehabilitate offenders, especially young offenders. Uh, we've heard from a lot of listeners who've told us that although the crimes here are really heinous, they're a little uncomfortable with the idea of charging Ethan Crumbly as an adult. Um, and I think as someone who is enthusiastic about the idea of criminal justice reform and a lot of the things that are that are changing, I also have a little bit of hesitation, I guess, when I think about that. And so I want you to just walk us through how you come to the decision that this is such a serious crime and uh, that it needs to be dealt with in adult court uh, with adult consequences. Well, I, I completely understand that. I did run on that platform and still believe we need to treat kids like kids. Um, however, I also was elected to be a compassionate and reasonable uh, prosecutor. And the factors that the law requires me to consider when we make a charging decision about treating an individual as a juvenile or adult are um, 
are, are many factors, including the seriousness of the crime, but also uh, the the role that juvenile took and um, the, whether or not it was a premeditated or planned. You have to look at a lot of things. The the law also requires to make that me to make that decision quickly because he's a juvenile and he's in custody. So based on all the evidence that I've seen, only some of which is public, Mm -hmm. I think it's an appropriate charge. We still don't know a lot about how this individual got into a school um, with a hand, uh, with a weapon and planned premeditated um, a mass murder. We, I, I will acknowledge we don't know everything yet, but what, what I do know and what I have seen is the, the charge is appropriate. The adjudication and the sentence and the ultimate conclusion about what will happen to him is yet to be determined, and the, the court and the prosecutor still have great discretion uh, to, to fashion an appropriate sentence. But it's also my job to care about public safety and care about victims of crime. Mm-hmm. And when you look at all of the facts here, again, only some of which is, is public, I think it would be really difficult for anyone else to make this decision, whether or not you're a lawyer, an elected official, or just a mom. So I want to go back to a, a phrase you use there, um, and you talked about premeditation and how planned this was. And I think that's a, a, a critical part of some of the questions that people have about how this happened and, and why it happened, why there weren't. I guess, better points of of intervention to prevent it from happening the way it did. But that word suggests a a level of judgment that I think is critical in the decision about how we treat offenders. No question this was premeditated and he thought about this, but he's a child and, and his brain, we know, is not developed fully. He is not someone who is making adult decisions. So I guess, and I'm not disputing, of course, anything that you're saying, because as you say, you've seen way more of the evidence than anybody else. But I want to, I want to have you talk just a little about that decision-making. Why is it, why is it considered adult decision-making given, given his age? The United States Supreme Court has been very clear about how we treat juveniles, and, and it has changed over the years, and I, I believe in that. When I took office, I, I reviewed over 20 juvenile lifers who the prior administration said should spend the rest of their life in prison without parole for something they did when they were 16. The reason and, and the um, justification for that is you're correct, brain development with regard to impulsivity. This is not, at this point, given everything I have seen and reviewed, is not like any of the juvenile lifer cases that we've reviewed or I even know about. Mm. And uh, again, there will be an opportunity if it's appropriate in the future to to fashion a, a sentence or adjudication that's, a, that's appropriate, but I am absolutely not going to make that decision with um, just half of the, the facts, and I certainly would never make it without talking to the victims who've lost their kids 
and said goodbye to them mm-hmm. when they went to school and never saw them again. So I, I listen, I, these are great points to make, Stephen. I just don't think they're good points to make right now because these kids were just buried. And first and foremost, I'm, I'm, my job is public safety, and I'm also a mother. And I, I cannot fathom what these people are going through. And you're right. We're not supposed to just talk about the, how serious the crime is. All of the, all of the, the, the crimes we're talking about, they're, they're murder in these cases. But this, this is a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And right now, at this moment, I think as a community, we have an obligation to address bigger, a, a different issue. And that is how we're going to stop this from ever happening again mm-hmm. and how we're going to help this community heal and how we're going to make every kid in this state and in this nation feel safe to go to school. That's what I really want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to talk to you about that. And I want to talk about what you think some of the things we ought to be thinking about are in that in that regard. But before we get to that, I also want to talk about the other big decision in this case, and that is uh, your your choice to charge the parents of Ethan Crumbly with involuntary manslaughter. That caught, I think, a lot of people by a little bit of surprise as well. Uh, talk through the, the the thinking there and the invocation of a law that we don't see used a whole lot here uh, in Michigan, a nexus here that allows you to, to, to make that charge. <clears throat> well, I want to be clear when we made that decision and, and it was my, my call and there, I, I understand it now that it's not, done there hasn't been done in a school shooting situation mm-hmm. um it just it absolutely from a moral standpoint made sense and i believe that those two individuals are criminally culpable they had every opportunity to stop this from happening it was absolutely foreseeable and they they didn't and i i just couldn't find a way not not to a path forward where we as a as a county would continue through this case without holding them criminally culpable because they are and and you know if if that decision has an effect on how as a as a state or a nation we look at uh, these sorts of crimes in terms of being responsible gun owners then then I'm absolutely um, I, I couldn't couldn't be happier if, if we changed something because we know we need to change something we keep talking about these incidents when they occur and they're still occurring so we can train kids to um, run hide fight we can train kids to hide under the desk and do all the appropriate things and we can train law enforcement and in this case we did and and it was executed perfectly and yet four children died and so many others were were injured or victimized. And so I think we need to take a look at where are these weapons coming from and who owns them and who purchases them. And so I think it's an appropriate charge. Yeah. I'm talking with uh, Karen McDonald. She is the Oakland County prosecutor. We're talking about the criminal justice response to the Oxford High School shooting, the decision to to charge the shooter, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly, as an adult. Also, the decision to charge both of his parents with involuntary manslaughter. 
with their role in providing him with uh, that gun. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Give us a call. Let us know what you think about how we are responding to this incredibly tragic loss of life uh, that, that we experienced as a community just a few weeks ago. Uh, you can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Karen, we have a, a listener who has a question that I think is really, really appropriate at this point now that we've talked about both decisions to charge. Uh, Mikhail on Twitter says he doesn't understand charging the parents for their complicity, which he says he agrees with, but still wanting to try Ethan Crumbly as an adult. And I think that raises another dimension of, I guess, the deliberations here that I think you could probably shed some some light on. If you think of the, 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 I guess, continuity, I guess, of, of the charges here, that on one hand we're saying these parents are largely responsible for uh, Ethan Crumbly's access to a weapon and maybe uh, maybe entirely ex- uh, responsible for that, but that we believe he made an adult decision to commit the crimes with it. Is there a, is there a tension there between those two decisions that you will have to somehow reconcile perhaps uh, in the criminal justice process? No. Uh, it's true that he was their son, is their son. However, that how we treat him in the criminal justice system to fashion an appropriate uh, sentence and conviction that is appropriate for this level of crime has nothing to do with the fact that two people put a deadly weapon in the hands of somebody who they absolutely knew and had reason to believe would harm or kill somebody regardless of whether or not it was their, their child, their parent, their son. So I, I don't, I don't think it's inconsistent and, you know, the, the laws aren't perfect here and I wish we had different ones, mm-hmm. but my job is to approach these cases, looking at all the facts that I have at the moment and making the best decision possible, keeping in mind that yes, I was elected to be a new prosecutor and looking at cases in a different way. But you know you know why else I was elected? Because I, I care and I'm compassionate and I'm going to be I'm going to approach things with common sense. And I, again, just don't think at this moment anyone would have made a different decision, given all the facts, again, some of which most of which are not public. Right. And. And I believe that they're criminally culpable, and I and I think that once the, all, all the evidence is um is is known to the public i i think most people would would too and and you know i i'm not against guns and i grew up in a home where there were guns my dad's a hunter still is and i have several peers and friends and that that own guns but they're responsible gun owners and with that right comes responsibility and there were there were absolutely no precautions in this case taken to make sure that that weapon did not end up in a place where it could be in a school shooting and murdering children running through for their lives. And, you know, I understand the intellectual conversation and it has to be, we, we have to have it. But this 
is a mass shooting, and it's the first one in our state. And looking at all of the evidence that is before me that I see now, there's no, there's no way I would ever agree to take a chance that this individual be released when he was 21 years old. Mm. And any other path, any other decision, that, that, that's a potential outcome. And I just, that's absolutely wrong. And I, it's not a political decision. It really isn't. It's so far beyond politics. It's really just about what are we going to be as a community? What are our, what do we care about? And I care about keeping kids safe. And I think most people do too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I do want to give you a chance before we have to, to end the conversation to talk about the things that you think could be different that would make it easier to prevent these kind of things from happening in the future, but also uh, things that, that would um, uh, give you as a prosecutor uh, more leverage to, to, to deal with these kinds of, of crimes. You have said uh, publicly that, that you just don't think Michigan's gun laws are adequate for situations like these. Talk specifically about some of the things that you'd like to see change. Well, what gun laws? I, I, there really just aren't. There are well, very few gun laws. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be um, casual about this in any way. It, it's, it's, there, there, there really, there really are no substantial gun laws in Michigan. You, you can't buy a gun um, if you're not 18, um, but you can be with a parent and and fire a gun and use a gun if you're with a parent and you're under 18. Or, or somebody who's 18 or older. Um, as the prosecutor, I can charge people with felony firearm only if they possess a weapon and they have a prior felony. Uh, other than that, there aren't really, there's no safe, safe storage in Michigan. I mean, let that sink in for a minute. Hmm. We do not require people to secure their weapons. And we're not talking about law enforcement. We're not talking about hunters, anybody. Once they're 18, they don't have to secure their weapon. And, you know, in my over 20 years of being an attorney in this state, our gun laws have gone the other way. You know, I don't see the, the logical connection between telling people and mandating you must act responsibly with a weapon that, and having it lead to you, you can't own a gun. No, that just doesn't make sense to me, and, and I think it clouds the issue. I, as a state saying that we were, we're going to require you to do certain things with a deadly weapon, and if you don't, you're going to be criminally negligent, I, I don't see that leading to you can't own a gun. I see that leading to we care about kids. We care about, you know, keeping people safe. And, you know, all we talk about all, at this moment in time for so many reasons and good reasons is uh, mental health. Yeah. We, we really have no restrictions unless somebody has been um, institutionalized, which is very difficult um, on, on owning a gun. And I think everybody listening will, will agree with me that they know people who shouldn't own weapons. Yet there's nothing, uh, there's nothing in the law that, that, uh, is an obstacle for them to own one and sometimes carry one. So 
yeah, I just, I'm not sure when yeah. we say our gun laws, we really just don't have gun laws in Michigan. And, you know, and, and it is one of the points that I keep making when we're talking about this now is that in almost every gun crime, the gun that's used, if it were traceable back to its beginning in the world, was the subject of a legal sale at some point. Somebody bought that gun legally, and somehow it ended up in the hands of somebody who commits a crime. And so little of our focus when we talk about gun laws is on that connection. How does that happen? Why does that happen? And how do you prevent that from happening? And it is responsible gun owners, I think, who uh, are the vast majority probably of of gun owners who need to, to be more part of that conversation to say, look, I take care of my weapons. Just like you said, you know people who own guns. You grew up in a home with people who owned guns and they were responsible with it. There, there is a, a, another set of Americans who aren't responsible, and we don't we don't do anything to make sure that they feel like they have to be responsible, or that there are consequences for them when they're not. There's just no legal duty, um, and and telling the parents in this community or anyone that has suffered through a, a tragedy like this that well you you know you have civil remedies you can sue is just it's it's offensive. It, our laws represent what we think is right and wrong in our, in our country and in our community. That's what the law is for. And what happened there is wrong. What, what those parents did is wrong. And by the way, it, it would be wrong if, if they bought a gun for somebody they, they knew whether it was their, their son or not. It was purchased as a Christmas present. And it was published that way. That was that was something that was put out into the public by a, by one of the parents. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's wrong. And you know, I I really didn't make decisions, and I don't. And I know sometimes others would say I should, based on what's going to be popular. Um. So when when I made the decision to charge the parents, when I made the decision to charge um, the shooter with with uh, terrorism, those were just things that made sense to me about what kind of place I want to live and what kind of community we, what's right and wrong. Since then, it's, it's, there's been an outpouring of support for both decisions that has nothing to do with politics. It does not, it crosses political lines because it just makes sense. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to rest with just prosecuting this case. We have to be outspoken if we want things to change. We have to care enough to to approach something differently. I, I was on the. Somebody asked me the other day. Uh, well, you know, when we have there will obviously there will be another um, school shooting at some point in the country, and I stopped and said, No, wait a minute. I that's I'm not going to accept that truth. I'm not. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I'm going to do everything I can so that it doesn't happen again. Because guess what? It's really not it's not a big lift here. It's not telling people that they have to be responsible with their weapons is not taking away a right to own a gun. It's not it's not even close to that. It's really just the the, the simplest of things that we teach our kids every single day to be responsible to care about others. 
Um, and, and so, you know, that this is such a terrible, tragic event. And I understand why people want to talk about it and it's newsworthy, mm-hmm. but we're, we're living it here and we're, we're, we're talking to families and parents and, and I just think as a mother, <clears throat> one of the places you just don't worry about your kids is when they're in school. And so to have that taken away from parents and kids, not just in Michigan, but all over the country, when this, when this is made public, um, that's, that's a serious tragedy and we have to make it a priority to fix. Our kids need to feel safe to go to school. Okay, Karen McDonald, uh, Oakland County prosecutor. I gotta say, I, just just hearing you describe the things that you're thinking about really portrays, I think, the the, the emotional anguish that even you are feeling about uh, about all of this, and that's a very Absolutely. important part of this as well. I think we are all feeling uh, exactly the same right now. But I really appreciate you coming on and discussing this with us on Detroit today. Thanks so much. For joining Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about guns and gun laws and safety. We're going to hear from a University of Michigan public health expert who studies gun violence uh, about how mass shootings affect entire communities. And he's going to offer some advice about how to cope with this kind of tragedy. We'll also get to you, the listeners, on the phones and on social media. Dory and Warren, Carolyn and Royal Oak, Larry in Detroit, you'll be up first. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number here. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll try to include you that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.